I'd like to welcome y'all to Secrets from the South. I'm your friend, Scotty Ray, along with my co-host, Terry. Now, you'll quickly catch on that we don't sound like the man on the 6 o'clock news. We talk a little slower, and we've got a southern drawl. But nonetheless, we've got a great podcast lined up just for you. We'll bring you some interesting stories. They're sometimes crazy and a little unbelievable. But it would be just plain impolite not to share them. So get yourself comfortable. Find some southern charm and a glass of iced tea and enjoy. No matter who you are, you've probably been pranked before. Even the governor of Mississippi was recently pranked. Yes, he was. You know what he did? Oh, you got to tell me. Well, he's calling out the graduation list since we're, you know, we were in lockdown. Basically, the state of Mississippi was, and nobody really was out and about. They weren't doing graduation. So he thought it would be really cool to announce the graduates of 2020. Don't you think that's pretty cool? It is. It was pretty cool for him until he actually read out the name Harry Asscrack. Yes, you heard right. You're kidding. Harry Asscrack. And he knew immediately <laughs> he had been had. So, question is, have you ever been pranked, had the wool pulled over your eyes? Maybe you're the one that does it. Well, if so, sit back and enjoy this week's episode titled, Mischief. So Babyface Tate got the wool pulled over his eyes. He absolutely did. So what happens to the person that allowed that to slide by them and reach all the way to the governor? Uh, I would wonder if they still had a job today. Hopefully he has a good sense of humor, which it sounded like he did, because I think sometime after that prank, and he actually said Harry Askrack, and if you ever watch the video, which I would highly encourage you to go do so, he pauses like he knows he's been he had. He front road. Right. But shortly after that, he actually goes to Twitter and tells the person who actually pulled the prank that, I guess, put the name in there in the list of graduates, that he felt like that they had a bright future writing for The Simpsons. <laughs> you know, I've been in restaurants and you know how they they used to. Now you got the little things you walk around, but used to they would call your name out over the loudspeaker. But I've heard IP Freely uh, <laughs> call foreign restaurants several times. So as we look at pranks, is it more the adults or is it more kids that do pranks? I think it starts, you know, we start as kids. I mean, think about... And work our way up? Yeah, I mean, think about some of the things that we did as kids. Back then we played, and I think they're still doing it today, where it's ding-dong ditch. And for somebody that doesn't know, they ring a doorbell and they simply go run in a ditch. Okay, I'm glad. Well, see, I have to admit, nobody in my little hometown had a doorbell. (laughs) I'm not lying, they didn't. 
Well, and then, you know, you had things like you called and asked, and this is before caller ID, you know, and now everybody has caller ID. But back in the day, you could get away with it. You would call and say, is your refrigerator running? And the answer was? Uh, if you said yes, you better go catch it. Yeah. Uh, so it was innocent things like that. Or you would call and impersonate somebody else, and they never could verify as long as you could get away with it because you didn't have caller ID to say exactly who you were or where you were calling from. But so, and then Prince Albert. I mean, you can't leave that one out because if he's in a can, you better let him out. Exactly. I, how many times has that been said? So I think it. You know, we learned it at school. Didn't you say that you had a couple of things that had been, um, you know, somebody had done something to you when you were in school? The real. I remember tenth or eleventh grade. I was reading, and Stanley Gresset, wherever you are, done it to me. I was reading a book in the library, and I went to sit down. And I was reading that book, and he pulled the chair off under me, and I hit the floor. Right up Miss Clark class, right there. And so everybody laughed? Oh, yeah, it was hilarious. Everybody but me. I was so, mad. Yeah, I know. Well, that's because you were the brunt of the joke. Yeah. But, I mean, we did things as kids. Like, you know, I had a thing where, and it was a, a cool little gig while it lasted. A, a buddy of mine that lived in our neighborhood, we would take a, uh, I think it was hay, and we would make the body with, you know, we st- stole a pair of pants from our parents, a shirt or something like that. Yeah. Had shoes, took a wig, had the the whole mold for the head that you set the wig on, made a face. And then when it got about dusk, we would lay it out on the street. And you have to realize in our neighborhood, you could either go, if you were coming, you know, uh, I guess, east Tell or west. Like yeah, it would go, it would, it would veer. And you would either go around the lake or you'd go up the steep hill. And then people would come down the hill. And when they came down the hill... Uh, they were going to a convenience store. They were going pretty fast. So if there was any deviation on the left-hand side, they were going to wind up in this lake. And I don't think we ever thought about the consequences as you, a kid. You don't. You don't. You really don't. Because all you're thinking about is I'm ready to get a good laugh out of it. And for the most part, we did. So we would set this dummy up and have them look like that there was just this person laying out in the middle of the road like they'd been ran over or, you know, I don't know. So And you, you'd have people coming down that hill going at a pretty good clip, and they would see that body. But like I said, it was almost dust, so they would slam on brakes, and then they would kind of slide, and then they'd come to a complete stop. They'd get out in a frantic, run over to the body, only to find out that it was stuffed. Fake. Yeah, and they'd get aggravated, and they say all kind of words that I can't repeat now. They'd get in the car and slam the door and keep on going. And that that wound up being pretty funny. I mean, I can't tell you how many nights we did that, and uh, thank goodness nobody ever found out that it was you know, myself and another buddy that did it, and it all came to an end when somebody came, when you said the why around the lake, where they were not going at a pretty good clip, and they were just going around the lake and found the, fell for the same prank, got out and found out that it was a dummy, and threw it in the back of the car, and then we had to come (laughs) up with something else, but we were always trying to come up with something else, because it was fun. Well, and you know, of course, Halloween always brings out things like that as well, of hiding the bushes and grabbing somebody and making them with riches. Um, that's happened a lot. Oh, yeah. But I, I just think that it's innocent. It got me to thinking, you know, how long back does pranks, I mean, how long have they been in existence? I mean, what's our fascination with pranks? And I thought it was interesting because I thought, okay, well, what is, we even recognize one day a year as like a national prank day. And what day is that? April Fool's. April Fool's Day. So I started looking, and it said that, you know, April Fool's Day, and there's differences that you'll see on the Internet, but for the most part it says that April Fool's Day kind of started in the 1700s when these English pranksters began popularizing the annual tradition of April Fool's Day. And they would play practical jokes pretty much like we do today. 
and they said it was also called All Fools Day, and it's been celebrated for several centuries by different cultures, and its exact origin remains a mystery. And, you know, when we were kind of getting ready to do this episode, we got to looking at a variety of different pranks that are out there. And this is not, and this is, you know, probably ignorance on my part, but this goes on in every culture in every country. Every language, they do it. Yeah, and there's some funny ones that are out there. I mean, we talk about the ones that we saw where they did the elevator. Oh, the elevator thing of where the lights go out and the little spooky girl comes up holding the doll that's dead. Yeah. And the lights come on and she's there. Yeah. That that would make you wet yourself. Yeah, well, and kind of walk us through uh, an episode of like where somebody comes on and gets on the elevator. Well, it would start out to where the unsuspected person walks on the elevator. They get on there and they start going up a couple of floors. Then the lights start flickering just a little bit, and then the lights go out. Right. Then the lights come back on. It says that little creepy girl standing next to him, holding looks, a baby. Yeah, that looks dead. I mean, and then of course you know they freak out. And I mean, these are grown people that yeah. are basically peeing in their pants, screaming. Now, in reality, the elevator never left the first no. floor. It just right. made the sounds like it was leaving. Right, and they never knew that she was coming out of this hidden Trap. door. Yeah. yeah. So it is funny. i, I got to give them credit. And, of course, now, you know, uh, what are some others that have been done? They even have a show, what's it called, Impractical Jokers. Some of that's funny to me. Some of it's not. My daughter, who is a lot younger than me at this point, uh, really thinks it's funny. Well, and probably the same thing with Punk. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and what was that old Johnny Knox that used to be in that? Yeah. I think the best one, and this is cool because I just uh, looked at this also, is Candid Camera. That was funny as a I kid. I mean, that was some innocent funny. I mean, yeah, somebody was the you know, the one being pranked. But it was never anything that anybody would get hurt over. Oh, no, but it over. was hilarious. And I, I thought it was interesting to find out that it actually premiered August the 10th of ni- in 1948. So it's 72 years old today. Now, you know, you can still go back and look at it on YouTube. And yeah. every once in a while they'll have like um, an anniversary showing of Candid Camera. But those were some of the funniest things that I think. I mean, I think as a kid, me being a prankster, and I think that you've indicated, Scotty, that I got a little bit. Okay, well, I'm I'm very much so a prankster. I think anybody that knows me would would indicate would be nodding right now, going, "She absolutely is." But I just love that show. And again, I love playing pranks, but I think there's a difference in playing funny pranks. And yes, somebody's going to be the brunt of that, but not harmful pranks. And there are pranks out there that people get, well, they get killed over. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of them. What were some of them where it went stray? Well, where somebody took saran wrap and wrapped it around a stop sign to where you couldn't read the stop sign. Somebody ran through it. Those two little old ladies got killed. They got hit head on because they ran the stop sign. You can't, things are just too modern. You can't do that. Well, and I, th- I look back as an adult on the prank that I told you about earlier that I played. I mean, we played this for weeks and weeks and weeks, my parents knowing nothing about this, where we had that mannequin that for all practical reasons, when you're in a car and going at a pretty good uh, speed, it look, um, they look real. I yeah. mean, that body, I mean, you know, of course, it was, you know, just stuff, but it looked real. But I never thought about what would happen if they slammed on the brakes and fishtailed and went any to the left because if you knew anything about that neighborhood, if they were to, coming down that hill and, like I said, going at a pretty good rate of speed and slammed on brakes trying to prevent from hitting what was already in the road, they would have went off in the lake. And somebody could have got killed. 
somebody could have got killed. But, you know, if you're a prankster like me, you're always thinking for that next victim. And I have played some funny ones. Well, you know, when I think back of one that I was told of a third cousin that done this, and there's a little place right across the Alabama line called Boyd, Alabama. At one point in time, it was a pretty big place. Is that a relative? Yeah, that's where we all come. We we got here and went to Newberry, South Carolina, and then went to Boyd, Alabama, and here I am now 50 miles from there. Okay. So I hadn't gone very far. Okay. But all that's left there now is a sign in a cemetery of my, my kinfolks that were there. Okay. But I had a third cousin back in the day, and this has been passed down because he was the prankster of the family. And, of course, you know, back in the day, there wasn't as many things. There wasn't movie theaters, and church was the big thing that you went to. Mm-hmm. So he got it in his head that he was going to prank the church. So he climbs up in the loft, and he caught him three pigeons. And this revival, now, of course, you know, revival goes three, four nights. Uh, oh, yeah. Four or five, sometimes Yeah, it's you better bring week. a bucket of chicken because it's going to last a while. So there's a hole in the ceiling in the loft down to where the congregation is. And each night the preacher would go in there and he'd get to preaching up a storm, a hollering and a hooping and a stomping. <laughs> and he'd ask for the good Lord to send him a sign that he was there. Well, he caught that pigeon and he dropped it down in that hole and that old that pigeon flew around down in there and they thought God had done sent the pigeon and they were hooping in a holler oh, and praising. Everybody getting getting saved. The pastor didn't get a big head, did he? Not yet. Second night he goes back and does it again. The third night that he went back and pulled the prank, he gets up there and toward the end of the service is always where, where the preacher would ask for God to send him that sign that he was listening. And somehow or another, he let the pigeon get loose, and he couldn't catch him. <laughs> he goes, God, can you send me a sign that you're listening? He goes, hell, let me catch him first. <laughs> he said the people jumped out the window. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that truly happened in Boyd, Alabama, some many, many, many years ago. That is a funny one. I think the one that I did was actually with my father. What did you do to your daddy? Okay, so I lived in a subdivision. This was not a planned thing, but I actually lived two doors down from them on a golf course. And, it, you know, I won't go into how we ended up landing up next door to each other, but it worked out perfect. In between there was a guy that was, uh, he was a little bit older than my dad. My dad was probably at this time a couple of years from retiring and uh, the gentleman that lived in between us was kind of like a surrogate grandfather to my daughter. He was wonderful. And he and my dad got to be really good buddies. But if you knew anything about my parents, they were the social people in the neighborhood. I mean, Everybody lit- come to y'all's house. Oh, I mean, literally. I would have people ask that were a lot younger than me. You know, to say, how do we get invited to your parents' house? I mean, they always had people coming off of the golf course, people pulling up. It was just an open invitation on like a Friday night. Yeah. Just to pull up and kind of gather and people would sit around and, you know, they might have a glass of wine or whatever else, but they would just laugh and talk. And after a couple hours, people would just kind of disperse and go on their way. I got home from work one day. And again, like I said, I live two doors down. I'm sitting outside uh, on the back porch with my husband and we're kind of talking about What's going on? You know, how our day was, what we're going to be doing for the weekend. And I can hear a lot of laughter going on. And I know it's coming from my parents' back porch. I mean, I've heard it, you know, every many Friday. Times. Many times. It was a familiar sound. So I had just gotten this new flip phone. So that ought to tell you that dated back a couple of years. But, yeah, I really like those phones. Oh, I know. And they were convenient. They were small. But anyway, and I was showing my husband, and it was a work phone. So I knew that he 
he being my father, didn't know the number. So I call over to their house, and this is when everybody had a landline. And my mother answers, and I don't know how they even heard the phone because, you know, like I said, they had a lot of commotion, a lot of people in the back porch. So she answers, and I told her, I said, hey, give the phone to Daddy, but don't tell him that it's me. She didn't know what was going on. She didn't ask. She gave the phone to him. So I proceeded to say, yeah, this is uh, this is Jimmy at the pro shop. Uh, I need you to. Cut your music down. It's getting loud. We're getting some complaints. And he literally said, hold on a second. I can't hear you. My music's loud. Let me go inside. <laughs> so he goes inside and he says, now what is it now? And I said, this is Jimmy at the pro shop. And I just wanted to let you know we're getting some complaints about your music and you need to turn it down. And so I could tell that really it ticked irritated. him. Oh, it ticked him off. And so he said, I'll play my music loud if I want to. Who is it that told? Well, a guy had ridden by that was a really good friend of theirs. And they <laughs> waved. The neighbor who had befriend, you know, gotten to be really good friends with my dad, my dad and several others had all waved. And he hadn't waved. So he just knew that's who it was. And it wasn't. But anyway, so... I proceeded to tell him, and he kept saying, I'm not going to cut my music down. And so I said, well, how big a fellow are you? <laughs> and he said, I'm big enough to whip. You know, and this was the thing. He always liked pulling out that cancer card. He had had cancer. Right. It was in remission, but he always loved using it when he needed to. And he said, I've had cancer, but I can still whip your A dollar sign, dollar sign. But he said the real thing. Yeah. And so I said, well... You come on up here if you think you can. And we hung up. He didn't go, did he? So a few minutes later, I hear laughter just erupting. So I told my husband, I said, we can go on over there now. Because Motherston told him he's been had. So we go over there. And I walk up and I see him. And immediately he says, do you know what just happened to me? And I said, what? He said, some guy named Jimmy at the pro shop called and told me that I had to cut my music down. So I knew that that wasn't what they were laughing about. I thought she had told him he'd been and she had. did not. She had not. So anyway, then the neighbor says, he, yeah, and um, we were, he said, I'm getting ready to load him up. We're going to go up there <laughs> to the pro shop. And my dad, you know, he was. At the time, probably when he was 6'3", he had lost some weight, obviously, from fighting years of cancer, but he was still a brute to be reckoned with. But anyway, and he thought he was a lot he was badder, invincible. badder than he was. But anyway, so I said, well, I said, and so I was talking to him, and I said, well, did he ask you, how big a fellow are you? And he sat there for a second, and he kind of cocked his head to the side, and he kind of grinned, and he said, that was you? I said, that was me. I had pulled it on him. But the the good thing about it was he was about five nanoseconds from loading up in that golf cart and going up and to the pro Jimmy. shop. And there wasn't a Jimmy, and I sure hope there wasn't a Jimmy, because if, if there was, Jimmy was going to be in bad trouble. But thank <laughs> goodness, I told my husband, I said, thank goodness we got over there when we did, or it could have turned a oh, lot Oh, it, it could be, because people jumped to conclusion. And how many times, speaking that you brought that up, have you read the story to where somebody went and bought the newspaper and done the prank 
and change the lottery numbers and put it in their lunchbox or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, and they think they won millions, yeah. and then they call and cuss out their boss Yeah, and tell them where to stick it. Never a good sign. No, because then they end up finding out they've been pranked, and not only is it that they've been pranked, their day just got worse because now they know when they go back to work, they've been fired. Yeah. And it falls along that Roy D. Mercer line. Yeah. They've yeah. done that Roy a lot. Roy D. Mercer. <laughs> funny stuff. Well, and so there's some other funny things out there, too. There was one where I thought this was kind of uh, neat. A guy says that he plays a trick on his mother. His mother has her wallpaper on her laptop is of her granddaughter. So he says he copied the picture a hundred times and made it her wallpaper, made her wallpaper a slideshow of the same picture going over and over again. And so the file would technically change, but nothing would visibly change on the monitor because it was the same photo. It was changing every 10 seconds, but it was the same picture. And so what he did was on one of the images, he painted a little curly mustache on her. So Every 10 seconds while it changed, at some point it was going to come up with the granddaughter with the mustache. And so the mother started thinking she was losing her mind because every once in a while she'd see this wonderful, beautiful picture of her granddaughter, but it would have a mustache. But by the time she could turn around and ask somebody or tell somebody, the photo had changed. So it looked like she was losing her mind. So it made it look like she was losing her mind. And I tell you what, there's no telling how long he let that go on before he finally told the mother that the gig was up that he had he had done that to her <laughs> you know and i have to admit i i've done one or two now I, I like a good smile i don't want to hurt nobody but i had a neighbor and and i and i go back and this started with my mama we were cleaning out some junk over at her house and for whatever reason you know those vanity fair places that you go to and buy clothes yeah she'd bought a bag of underwear for whatever <laughs> reason and they wouldn't fit her were they too what, big or too little? They were just all different sizes. Okay. Why the woman bought them, I don't know. But we were cleaning it out, and the bag was there. And I got this neighbor that was always saying somebody was breaking in, swimming in her pool. So I got the bright <laughs> idea. Oh, yeah. This went on to this day. She doesn't know I did it. But for over a year period, every time, because my house sat here, and there was a stop sign in front of it, and anybody that come down her road, you'd see them. So whenever she would leave home, I'd jump my truck, run up there, and throw out a, a bra and a pair of panties on one side of the pool. And that went on. She'd come to my wife and say, I don't know who's up there skinny-dipping in my dang pool. And that went on, and, on, and I've never Did told her. Did she think that your wife had no, been the one doing it? No. Okay. She was just mad of whoever. And she wasn't. She never did put a camera up. So, And I knew everything was going on. It was the best prank that I've ever done. Well, we all have some good ones that we've done, and Lord knows, I, you know, I love doing them. I mean, I have to admit, I, I love playing a prank on somebody, but I just want it to be funny. I love kind of drawing it out, you know, and getting, you know, everybody knows, like, I, it's just fun to do, but you got to find that balancing act, I guess you can say, so that it's not hurtful. And so far, I've been lucky, and I've done a bunch but I don't think they've been hurtful unless I get a phone call tonight where somebody <laughs> confesses and says something differently. Now, you know, even I've been had uh, once or twice. I, back in the day when we used to do haunted houses when I was in radio, we, we'd done a home uh, in Mississippi called Mary Hope. And the house really, no kidding, is haunted. But, you know, we were got there. It was the first time we'd done it. We'd, we'd done open house and invite. We had like 800 people come over that night before we spent the night and done it right. on the web. Uh-huh. So 
I guess it was about midnight. I started up. They had about 10 people behind me, and we were going upstairs. And I hit that second stair, and I glanced up, and a woman went across. And I knew how many people was in the house. I turned around, and I counted one, two, three, four, five. And that woman wasn't part of my entourage. <laughs> and they had it rigged to where it looked like she floated across the room in this old gown. And so I thought at first, I imagined it. I took a few more steps. She went back across the hall, and I freaked. I'm not going to lie. I made a big fool of myself. And so who what, they were playing a trick oh, on Oh, yeah, you. the whole thing was rigged by everybody else behind me. They all knew it except me. I was the so only one. So they probably had been working on that for hours before oh, you got absolutely, there. absolutely, because they made sure I didn't bring a gun. They said, what Because <laughs> I was asked, you know, 10 or 12 times before, you ain't got no gun. No, no. So that was the, the one time that I truly got gotten. So since we're on confessions, I guess I ought to give it up on the other. You know how you hear something and it just clicks with you, it makes you smile. Somebody, the, it just kind of happens. Yeah. We'd stopped to buy. I was at work. And we were going to lunch, and it was three of us in there. And I was buying gas, and the the guy that was with me was standing around, just kind of pacing back and forth. And this woman pulls up, and she rolls down a window, and I should have never heard it. She goes, "I just wanted to tell you what a good looking man you are." Was she a stranger? Yeah, stranger. The guy that was with me, and so it was on from that moment on. <laughs> so. No matter what restaurant we went to, I would always go to the waitress and have her hit on him. From that day forward, it was 50 times that he got hit on. And he always accused me of it, but he could never prove that I did. So he thought it was you, but he couldn't prove it. Yeah, he thought it was me. Because they'd go, ooh, how you do them curls in your hair? Just, (laughs) you know, just weird stuff like that. And I had some teenagers come up to him and tell him I bought him a hamburger and got him to come tell him that they sure wish their daddy looked like him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I couldn't help that. Scotty, I am due another good one on so, somebody. So you're getting ready to plan. Oh, I am. All right. The bad part is I happen to know somebody who's planning to get you. You're kidding me. No, I ran into him in the store the other day. Well, look, I got some ideas I want to run by you. Are you in? I am all in. Okay, because I need your help. So the plot has began with Terry. Believe me, it's going to be a good one. As the A-team would say, I love it when a plan comes together. Okay, let's get started. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and will continue to listen more. We promise to provide stories that intrigue you, provide a little humor, reflect our heritage and culture, whether it's strange and alarming. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Let us know whether you liked or disliked. Do you have a story to share? If so, we'd like to hear from you. Please email us at comments at secretsfromthesouth.com and provide a brief description of your story along with contact information and we'll be in touch. Until next time, well, you know a secret? Well, then again, maybe you just learned some Southern mischief.